serves. This is Sir Gene with your morning update in the afternoon. We've got David Norman with us right now. David is the creator of Hypercatcher. And before we get into Hypercatcher and what all it does, David, I want to find out a little bit more about your background and what led you down this path to create Hypercatcher and also what led you to make it more podcasting 2.0 compatible. Hey, Sergene. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you having me on so I could talk a little bit more about this. Let's see. I've been a podcast listener for a long time now. I think I really started out with the Joe Rogan Experience podcast and just got really into that during college. And I was a user of the Overcast podcast app for a while as well. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed as I was using it, that there's a few times when the things would come up during the podcast when Joe would say something like, hey, Jamie, could you bring that up? And I just kind of kept thinking about the fact that I wasn't able to see those things that they were talking about. And so that's been the problem with podcasting that's been in the back of my mind for a long time. Obviously, that can be solved by video, and you can just watch along to a lot of these podcasts that are in video form. But I started thinking around the fact that you know, sometimes maybe video isn't the best thing. What if I actually want to go look at that that YouTube video myself that they're watching or, or listen to that song, get some sort of direct link to it? Or the document um, they're looking at. The document. Exactly. And in that sort of case, a video isn't as good as actually having some sort of link directly to it. And so that, that's where I, when I started thinking about Hypercatcher and developing Hypercatcher as a podcast app, I was, I've been a podcast or a, a an app developer for since leaving college, so eight, nine years now. And I've just been playing around with a bunch of different ideas and things that are all, all in the app store, <laughs> littering the app store with my dead old projects. But, you know, this one kind of caught on and I'd been developing it for about seven or eight months before I started hearing Adam talking about this new podcast project that he was going to start working on soon. And that got me really excited you know, hearing him talk about it on No Agenda a couple of times. And I started reaching out there and used, I was one of the people to adopt the podcast index early on and start using it for Hypercatcher just because it was such a great solution to another problem I was having around just getting podcasts to display to users. And then as I learned more about the project, I realized that there was a way to maybe integrate some of the things that I've been thinking about with links. And we ended up integrating this chapters feature with podcasting 2.0 and I think by far it's one of the best implementations I've seen of chapters. And without the podcasting 2.0 adoption and kind of really helping to flesh out the the protocol and how it works, yeah, Hypercatcher would not be uh, nearly as good today. So it's so that chapters, was really great to have. I've noticed in your app, unlike most apps, you're mm-hmm. actually preloading the links or you're loading the links when somebody swipes to that link automatically right. rather than just waiting until or unless somebody clicks on the link. Yeah. So that's because I wanted to have it be just a snappy interactive experience. So when you, you know, when you, when a podcaster is talking about something you can, if they're talking about a website or a video, it's kind of, you can just pull out your phone and it's right there in front of you rather than needing to take an extra step to jump through. I, I thought that was an important part of the experience to have and something that I was hoping to, to do early on. So that was your thought right off the get go. Uh, before even the podcasting index 2.0 stuff? Yeah, so there's a few apps there. So podcast chapters is something that's existed for a while and different forms. And so actually one of the earliest 
uses, something that really made the two ideas snap together in my head was seeing Ben Thompson's Stratechery podcast and how he would, when he was talking about something, he would change the kind of album artwork in the pod in in the podcast and you could see that happen in overcast where overcast would up would read the podcast chapters and then update the album artwork based on the podcast chapter yeah and so there's some issues there that that worked fine uh, for hypercatcher but one thing that i noticed was that it was really hard to get podcasters to do it to actually because it was actually embedded in the mp3 file and so that meant that the podcaster, before they published the podcast, would have to actually go in, edit the MP3 file, add in whether they want to add links or images or chapter titles, and then publish that. And so in talking with the Podcasting 2.0 community, talking with Dave Jones and Adam about what they what the best kind of experience would be for podcasters as well as listeners, that's where kind of some of the ideas around what if we were putting this in a different file somewhere so that you could write to that file and the chapters could change dynamically over time. So I think that's changed podcast chapters into something new that hasn't been seen before. Yeah, I think certainly a lot more podcasters are starting to add chapters. I only started adding them, I guess, a month ago. And I was also just using over, uh, what the hell is that app called? Over... I don't use it anymore. So Namus already, I'm starting to forget the same one you were using before. I keep thinking Overwatch, but it's not Overwatch. But anyway, they supported chapters, Overcast, and their support of the chapters is using the old format, which is included in the MP3 rather than as a separate chapter. And I totally understand where Adam is coming from in this because he wants to be able to have a different person create chapters while listening to the podcast and then have those chapters become globally available. So I think that certainly makes some sense. As a consumer of podcasts, I hate that because it means that if I download the podcast right after it's released, there are no chapters, at least for for no agenda. I have a very different experience than somebody who <laughs> listens a week later where it's right. full of images and it's full of chapter information, everything. Whereas for me, it's it's totally not a podcasting 2.0 podcast yet. The way I do my podcast is I actually put all the chapters, all the graphics, all the links in before hitting the publish button. So I want to make sure that the moment that button is pressed, that the podcast is fully finished and flushed out and that the first person downloading it has the exact same experience as somebody downloading it a week later. But I understand that not everybody's going to be willing to do that. Yeah. And that I think that just goes into some of the tooling that's been created so far. I think that's one thing I'd really like to address next. It's just making the you know, the process for creating chapters a lot easier to do so that ultimately I'd, I'd always imagined that the, the podcaster would do this synchronously. So at the same time, they're recording the podcast also right. creating chapters, but that's super difficult. And there's not a lot of tooling built around that specifically yet. There's a couple of podcast recording studios and IDEs, sorts of things that kind of have some of these chapter features built in, but none of those are podcasting 2.0 compliant yet, really. So I think that's one opportunity that I'd like to, you know, with Hypercatcher Studio, which is the backend side to Hypercatcher where we currently manage podcast chapters. And that's what Adam and and Dreb Scott are using to put up podcast chapters for no agenda. Adam's had a couple of requests for features 
that I just haven't been able to get to yet. And one of them is to be able to listen to the show. And as you're listening, kind of mark areas within the show mm-hmm. to add a chapter. Because right now, from what I've heard from Dreb Scott, his kind of process is to do half of it on the phone. So he'll listen to the podcast hit a button to mark that as a community chapter. And then once he finishes, then transitions back over to Hypercatcher Studio, pulls in the chapters and tags and images and things, and puts that together. And that's two separate steps right now. And so that's one thing I'd like to add some tooling around that to make it easier. Long term, I I think there's a huge opportunity to also do some kind of AI-managed ways to create chapters so that I already have kind of a basic test version of this that doesn't work very well. But once you have a transcript up for a podcast, uh, which you can already do like very easily automated, then it will read through the transcript using GPT-3. I'll chunk out different parts of the podcast. That's one area that could get a lot more sophisticated and how you actually do the chunking right now. I'm just doing every five minutes and then trying to using GPT-3, it will actually summarize that particular that chunk of five minutes and create a chapter from that doesn't get you artwork, but that kind of gets you down the path. If this was, it's, it's also not very accurate either. It, sometimes it can yeah, be, you've got two points of failure there. You got the GPT right. three interpretation and you also have the voice to text erroring, which is at right. best going to be 90% accurate. Exactly. So that once, if you have some sort of uh, issue with the transcript, that can really throw off GP3 summarization. But th- there's some interesting things going on in that area as well that I was exploring a little bit previously. Google has a new model, I guess you'd call it, called Pegasus, that's specifically made for summarization. And hmm. so that's something that I've also been looking into that seems to actually do a better job. GP3 is much better at being generic, it can do some really amazing kind of generic creative tasks. Uh, Whereas the Pegasus uh, model I've been using seems to do a better job at just straight summarization. Okay. So I think, yeah, there's some opportunities for some some improvement there. Yeah, it's always interesting to see what's coming down the line and it's all API driven so you can swap things out. Right, right. I I use Buzzsprout and I really like the way they do the chaptering, which is very interactive. (laughs) Really, I end up only having to listen to my podcast twice and not even fully in order to have it ready for the publish button. So after right. we record this episode, I will listen to it one more time for audio editing purposes. And I'll tell you a little more about how I do that uh, later on. Okay. And that typically takes less than the duration of the podcast using right. the tools that I've got. And then I'll upload it to Sprout, and then add the uh, the chapters information mm-hmm. and that typically only takes five to ten minutes so right. even for a two-hour long podcast it's not going to take anywhere near so really best case scenario in i could have a podcast published with chapters with artwork with links with all the the features of podcasting 2.0 roughly one hour after finishing recording that's pretty good. Yeah. Are you? Can I ask how you're doing the chapters, though? In order to do that, are you taking notes as you record on areas where you would want to add chapters? No, Is that I should. My hmm. my audio editing software allows me to do that, to have timestamps with notes. I, mm-hmm. I don't bother because I find that if I start doing that, I won't be listening to either the guests. Right. <laughs> and if I'm doing it just solo, if it's just me recording, then I don't really need to do that because it's fresh enough in my head because I do it immediately afterwards that mm-hmm. I just fast forward to where I roughly remember talking about a different topic and right. then pick it up from that. 
let's say I, I didn't do that for a few days and I came back to it, then I could use the transcript because if, if I'm doing a, a solo recording, so it's not an interview, then I will use pretty much the same phrases every time I shift topic. And I'll say mm. something like, let's see what else. So all I have to do is search for let's see oh. or the word what else. And that is a right. automatic divider that I can get out of the transcript. That's interesting. It'd be yeah, cool I if think... that was done automatically as well. We're not quite to that point. But mm-hmm. in general, I think just being able to fast forward right through it the way that Buzzsprout set up, it really makes it pretty straightforward. The only issue, mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you, I probably spend as much time looking for for a a good image to go with the chapter as I do any other part of it. Right. Quite often, if it's news related, the image in the actual link that I'm putting in there is crappy. And so I actually mm. go out to the web and do a search for a better image for that topic and then use that. Interesting. Yeah. Let's not talk about other products. <laughs> Let's talk about yours. Uh, so you were doing this before podcasting 2.0 because chapters were included. So what have you added on or what have you learned is like a cool new thing that Hypercatcher does now after jumping on the podcasting 2.0 bandwagon. Yes. So yeah, there's a ton of stuff that podcasting 2.0 has added that I still want to get to. There's a lot of things that are still in the pipeline. I think transcripts is probably the biggest one that Dave Jones has been on the tear about recently that I really want to uh, follow up on soon. So I stay in his good graces. So that one's coming soon. Um, but some of the things that we've added already that that I like, now the biggest one obviously is community chapters because before podcasting 2.0, that wasn't possible really. I had you know chapters and they were in the cloud, but they were only available for Hypercatcher, that podcast only. So I really like the fact that Hypercatcher Studio can host some of the podcast chapters. And if it's done that way, you can also add community chapters to the podcast. Well, let me ask you um, this. Can somebody mm-hmm. do community chapters for a podcast that already has built-in chapters? They could if the podcaster was using Hypercatcher Studio. So you could use okay. community chapters for any podcast, really. Mm-hmm. It's just that the way that podcasts... Hypercatcher Studio is set up is that I really want the podcaster to be in control of obviously sure, what sure. chapters get shown. So they would have to, you could always send, you could always let the podcaster know, hey, I sent you some community chapters, check it out on at this link. Mm-hmm. And that's actually probably a good marketing thing I should be doing eventually once <laughs> it's at a point that it's, yeah, because you know, I, I think, think right that now, is a unique feature that you could end up maintaining as a competitive advantage for your product. And I know Mm -hmm. right now it's great because everybody's working together. It's really a fun feeling. I was around for the beginning of the commercialization of the internet. Adam and I have fond memories of a lot of this stuff early days. And this is what it feels like to me. This is like back when I could reach out to developers at Mozilla and say, Mm -hmm. hey, can you fix this or can you tweak this because it's not working? And they would respond 10 minutes later. Dude, I remember the front page listed all the new websites that went up the previous day (laughs) literally all the new websites and so for a while there in the early 90s that's how i spent my lunch is going through and clicking on every new link on the internet wow right that's amazing to think that that would be possible i'm sure people that are much younger than me are going what the hell you're insane how can you do that (laughs) because that page only had maybe 60 links at max it was between 20 and 60 each day And then obviously it kept getting bigger and they stopped bothering to do a manual list of them. But it's what I'm seeing right now. And the, uh, I haven't interviewed him yet, but like the guy that has the service for creating wallets for podcasters. Oh yeah. Yeah. I forget his name, but it's Satoshi something. 
And he's literally like posting every couple of days or maybe every day. Hey, five new podcasts using my service. This is, this is what That's I remember. Awesome. This, how long is it going to be until there's 150 new podcasts every day signing up on his site to use the wallet feature? Right. He's not going to be able to do that for long. Right. Yeah. yeah that's, and that's people haven't started hating each things. other yet, which inevitably <laughs> happens. You get into camps where it's like you're in the you're in the Netscape camp, you're in the IE camp, and then they're very competitive with each other, which hasn't happened. But I love the idea of the community stuff. So the community bookmarks is great. There's another app that's doing community based or publicly shared, I should say, clips. I think Podverse is doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yep. So it's allowing yep. people to take a clip from a show and then list it through whatever backend they're using as a publicly accessible. Here's a clip from the show and here's the name of the clip. I right. love that stuff yeah. because that's really like the second layer on top of podcasting. It's the community layer and right. it's allowing people to do something that the podcaster themselves isn't going to do or isn't even capable of doing a lot of times. And of course, no agenda is a wonderful example of that to the nth degree to where right. the majority of the things besides the actual show being recorded the majority of everything else is done by outside people predominantly as volunteers <laughs> so right. everything from stores to buying merchandise to like you mentioned doing chapters to all these things are done by third parties voluntarily for the show rather than by Adam or somebody that, you know, is on his staff to do that kind of stuff, which is really cool. And I I certainly think, I don't expect every show to do that, but it's a nice aspirational model, right? Yeah, I think there's some really cool kind of things that are popping up around podcasting 2.0 and some of the apps that were already there doing things before it came along and are now integrating and part of the community. And that's one thing I'd like to do more of with Hypercatcher Studio is just finding ways to integrate some of these things. And Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd really like to be able to eventually, one thing we've talked about previously that on the social network there is doing something around like link sharing and having some way to allow to share between podcasting 2.0 apps so that you could, it was something that came up in the last podcasting 2.0 podcast as well, where Adam, someone was mentioning, why can't I just create a QR code for my podcast and show that to my wife and she can subscribe. That's one thing that, that, that really started sticking in my head. And I started thinking about that, how to make that sort of a thing possible. So that's another one of those, one of the things I'm hoping to to do with Hypercatcher Studio sometime soon. There's a lot of things. A lot of yeah, things in- it does feel like there's a little too many steps. And really, we can blame Apple for this because once Adam handed over the index to them, to Steve Jobs, uh, they were uh-huh. grateful and gracious and did nothing with it. They literally added, what, six elements? Mm-hmm. In, no, nine elements in 10 years. It's like, right. really, guys? That's it? Right. There's been no expansion uh, once it was there because... Uh, to them, this was a marketing tool. It's, this wasn't right. about technology. This was about, hey, look what you can do with your iPod. It was another selling feature of the iPod that, that wasn't available to anybody else. And then, of course, right. with the phones, it became less exclusive. And then podcasting became something you could do on something other than a phone or a, an iPod in general. But they've neg- yeah. neglected it. And so it's really cool to see it be resurrected and that's why i really love the fact that it's called podcasting 2.0 because i think that's a very descriptive way uh of summarizing it it is a whole generation newer and better and more featureful than what was around just a year ago 
I, I am really looking forward to Apple's new follow button, though. Changing that over from subscribe, of course. But yeah, major every, change. <laughs> major change. But no, you're right. This has been super exciting to see. I, I think even in kind of the podcasting apps space, I, that was one of the reasons why I started Hypercatcher as well. Because when I, I was looking at some of the existing apps, I just started thinking, I think there's some interesting things that could be done with podcasting that just aren't being done yet. And we're not even I talking about video. Yeah. We've got a couple of people on, on the social that are really making sure that video is capable of being utilized here as well, which right. for a lot of us is like, what? Video? Podcast? That's not a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it really... That, that will be a big unlock. Yeah, come on, guys. We already have images that you can put a new image on every second. How much of a stretch mm -hmm. is to have one every 60th of a second? Oh, look at that. <laughs> We've got video. So it's, it's coming, and there's no reason to push against it. And for the audio purists, you, you could still get audio-only podcasts. Not everything has to be video. But there's no reason right. not to open up the standard to include the broader stuff like video in there. And then potentially, eventually, 3D VR stuff can be on there as well. Right. So I do want yeah, to ask you about your back end, though, because mm -hmm. while Hypercatcher is your user side of the app or the app that people would use to download podcasts and stuff, I think for the podcasters listening to this, they'd, they'd be more curious about the back end. Uh, yeah. So Hypercatcher Studio is the back end. It's still very much in production. When I mentioned earlier my uh, my background, I've been an iOS kind of app developer for m pretty much my whole career. In the last year or so, I've been also getting into back-end development at work. And so that's spilled over into some of my development you know, outside as well, since I'm getting more used to that. So Hypercatcher Studio came out of that, kind of becoming more comfortable with web development, API development, that sort of thing. It's still, like I said, it's still very much in alpha, so there's a few bugs in there, but it's working. It's wor <laughs> And Adam's been using it for a no agenda for the last few months, which has been really fun to see. And really, he's, as he's mentioned before, he's great at finding things to break and finding bugs. So it's a lot better now than before he started using it. So, so what, does it, what does it do and how do you get to it? Yeah, uh, so... You get to it by just going to studio.hypercatcher.com. And from there, you can sign up. And so you basically would need to submit your podcast. So say you're a podcaster, you submit your RSS feed. And in the RSS feed, you have an email, owner email, I think it is, or admin email. There's a tag in there that will let you know this is the owner of this yep. RSS feed. So once you submit it, I send, there's an automated feature that sends out a email to you with a, with a code that will, once you hit the link that will verify that you own that RSS feed. It's gone to your email, so you own it. Then you can come back into uh, Hypercatcher Studio and you'll see your podcast feed in there. And from that point, you can add uh, chapters. And you've used Budsprout. It's very similar kind of UI to that where you'll just see you add a button, add a chapter, and you can just add them, add additional ones, delete. Some of the differences that... The biggest difference is the fact that you can, you will also see a secondary list that is your list of community chapters, which are anyone who's listened to your podcast. If you told your listeners to submit and they happen to use Hypercatcher Studio, they can, as they're listening, hit a button and submit a community chapter to you. And that will show up in a secondary list that you can go through and accept it or reject that chapter to be yep. added in. The community can do some of the work for you. 
And then how does that, so does that generate an updated RSS feed or how does that, Uh, the chapters that are created, how do they end up working? Yeah. So once you hit publish, immediately Hypercatcher, the app, will immediately start seeing that. So I've got direct connection to the database there. So you won't need to update the RSS feed for it to work in Hypercatcher. For any of your other podcasts though, that's where podcasting 2.0 really comes in and that there's a chapters tag that has a link to a URL or a JSON file. And so you can do it a couple of different ways right now in Hypercatcher Studio. You could just download your chapters JSON. So once you create your chapters, you just hit a button and it'll download that file in the current chapters spec for podcasting 2.0. And then you can upload that chapters file anywhere and just put a link in your RSS feed. And the other way is that you can, and so that would be static though. So there's no way for community chapters to come in that way. The other way is to basically put a link and the database or a link to a cloud bucket basically where that json file is going to live and can be dynamically updated as you push more chapters to it but so that that's another kind of side of this that is very much alpha right now and that you need to yeah you got to have access to your raw right. feed to do that <laughs> and actually be able to tweak it yourself right yeah right exactly so are you connecting to any hosting platforms through their apis it will can you import your stuff to buzzsprout directly through API? Not right now. That's something if we've thought about. I haven't really reached out to anyone yet. Castopod, however, developers reached out there and we're working on an integration to do something very similar to that. So that's one platform where hopefully that will be available soon. Yeah, Castopod's getting pretty excited about podcasting 2.0. Yeah, so I'm super excited to be working with them on that. And then we've also got some other ideas about some possible ways to eventually maybe wrap the RSS feed and be able to add chapters that way so there's some ways to do it but because i think that's a huge thing is to Mm -hmm. be able to talk to the hosting companies and buzzsprout has been very good at implementing podcasting 2.0 stuff proactively their api is really good too so like i i upload uh everything including the transcript directly from my recording app into buzzsprout through an api so i don't have to do any of the manual crap And if you could have a way through an API to load in their chapters, if there are any for podcasts that are created on there, and then I can log into your app and look at any community suggested chapters, hit the accept button or okay button or whatever, or an arrow that shuffles them to the bucket of official chapters, whatever method it is, and then hit update and then have your API refresh the chapters that are stored on Buzzsprout, right. that would be killer. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, that because that's, I, there is no community anything associated with Buzzsprout directly. Yeah, as far as I that that should work. As far as I know, I would just need to talk to yeah, Sprout about it. Work. Doing I just some thought of it. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see no barrier to that whatsoever, except mm-hmm. just getting in touch with some of these hosting companies. And they so. are very proactive. Now, of course, I'm way overselling them at this point, but like I probably talk to their support once a week, literally every single week, and they are very responsive. They've solved every issue that I've brought to their attention, even to the extent of reaching out to a another app developer on my behalf to get them to wow. fix something and then wow. let me know it's taken care of. We reached out and got it fixed. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, wow. this is better service than I get from other like large companies. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, and I don't know. I have no idea how many guys work at Buzzsprout, but my experience has been super. I'm trying to get them on uh, onto a podcast. So far, we haven't set up a time yet, but 
I, of the hosting companies that I've used in the past, and I've used a lot, including Todd's company, Raspberry or no, no. Blueberry. Blueberry. Yeah. Blubbery. And I've used oh, uh, all okay. these guys in the past. And in, in terms of just what Buzzsprout is capable and willing to do, it just blows me away. Yeah, I I use Buzzsprout as well to host my uh, tutorial podcast. Okay, there you go. Um, yeah, so you, pretty so you familiar know with all about it. the interface. Yep, yep, yeah, I like it as well. And I I, um, I don't know the exact number, but I saw somewhere a stat. I think there's a little over three and a half thousand podcasts hosted on there. Could be way more. I could only three and a half. More. I would think I could be, but that's yeah, the number I, I saw, and maybe it's just this month. I don't know. <laughs> that was yeah, that could a be Buzzsprout <laughs> number, and with that many podcasts, so. It yeah, could be, something uh, tells me it's a lot. That could yeah, be. I think but they're. You never know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, let's let's wrap up by thinking about what the future of podcasting 2.0 holds. Are there features that you haven't seen part of the standard that maybe you'd like to see coming down the road? Is there something that you've heard about that's not the, in the standard, but you're pretty excited that people are talking about? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, for me, it's really catch up at this point. There's already there's so many cool things that are in there right now that I don't support yet. Obviously, the we do what is it donations? You know, the basic donation page one. I, I, that's not the name of the tag, but so you can put your link to your your Patreon page or something the like value that. Tag? Uh, yeah, but funding is is the big one where you can actually put the value block in your, in your RSS feed and get that connected in with your wallet in some way. So that's something that is still very much at the top of my mind, something that um, I'm really focused on Hypercatcher Studio right now and improving that experience for people. So that's where most of my work has been going, but that's something that I definitely want to support soon to start getting involved in some of the some of the Bitcoin flying around. Like, <laughs> it's super interesting to me. And that's actually something I've got set up already. So I've got the Lightning node set up. You, oh, you do? Okay. Some I was going to say, that's a learning yeah. curve and a half, man. I've just gone through it myself. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't, I'm not as hardcore as some of the other guys. I think Adam mentioned you actually set up your Raspberry Pi, right? I, I did not do that. I just, um, I'm using a hosted node and... Yeah, using and, Voltage? Uh, yeah, using Voltage. Yeah, so I went a, the easy way, but it's... node. I'm still waiting on my personal node. and It's not a Raspberry Pi. It's actually running on an Intel system, but it's still churning through 2016 data right now. So oh, once you download the, the entire blockchain, depending mm-hmm. on how much you allocate to your CPU and memory and everything else, it's going to go through and validate all that crap. And right. you know, look, maybe I'm an office here. Maybe there's a command that says skip validation <laughs> and just get to the end. Maybe that exists. <laughs> I'm just dangerous. letting the thing do what it wants. And what it wants right now is very slowly taking about two or three days per year to validate this stuff. So somewhere in about a week and a half, it should be up to 2021 in all its uh, blockchain validations. And at, at that point, then it'll be a fully functional current node. Wow. But then you, yeah, well, be that's, the, that's the Bitcoin node, because then that will talk to the Lightning node, uh. which is the next thing. To set up, and I've got it already installed. I just can't flip it on until this thing is done synchronizing. Right. Yeah. So LNPay also has a nice solution to that as well, so you don't have to worry about any of that. That's another thing that I've been looking at. I just wanted to have my own node so that I can test yep. sending payments around. So I've been and then able to send it. Quickly realize the all cost the of this. This is not cheap. Everybody thinks that. Oh yeah, it's a super easy Bitcoin. It's all digital. Yeah, except you pay fees everywhere. 
Yeah, the lightning fees haven't gotten too bad yet, obviously, compared to Bitcoin, where it's just crazy. Or Yeah, even yeah moving Bitcoin but, to the lightning node, you lose that's about 15%. Yeah. And then yeah. opening <laughs> channels on the lightning node, you lose about 15%. The actual transactions aren't too expensive. They're usually a sat or two. Right. They're not too bad. But yeah, all this stuff, I was, I was talking to somebody else about the same topic, I said, I put a hundred bucks that I've spent on this. Now I have $46 sitting there. So that's my overall, like all fees for everything comes out to about 55%. Once, once you got that $46 though, that'll last you a while. If you're just sending a few sets around, hopefully that'll yeah, last. Yeah, yeah. I've got other wallets that I'm doing. I just, this is my experience. And Adam kept trying to talk me out of it. He's like, why are you doing this? Don't do it. Don't set up your own. I was like, I'm doing it for the learning experience. I, I know it's a pain in the ass. I want to understand it better, and this is going to force me to understand it better, even with the frustrations. And there are right, frustrations. Right. Like I've literally run into an issue where nowhere in any instructions did it say I need to have an HTTPS in front of a field that I was supposed to enter. Uh. And I was just copying in whatever I had in the voltage dashboard. I'm copying mm-hmm. directly into this thing, and it's not taking it. Uh. Why not? What's wrong? Right. It, everything looks exactly right. I'm literally following what's on videos, literally following what's in the description. Nobody freaking mentioned that I have to change the URL to start with HTTPS. It's like that took two days of just going, what the hell? Yeah. And eventually I, there's just, a lot of document. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, of documentation that can still be written. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm trying to right. do. I'm trying to figure out the right way so I can provide more guidance and documentation to people. I'll, I'll do uh, more podcasts yeah. specifically about setting up nodes and, transferring money awesome. and making sure the payments are set correctly and that's one like one of the things once you get going with adding uh lightning payments to your setup something that we mm-hmm. run into is the percentages that you set for who gets how much right the breakdown of the donation it only works if you're sending minimum of 100 sats so 100 or more sats because there there are no fractions mm. in the percentages that are being used for this stuff. And so what happens is, for example, when I hate to throw him under the bus, but I I will because he knows about (laughs) this and he's fixing it right now. But for Podfriend, he said his on 10 sats per minute donation and no Mm -hmm. option yet to tweak that number. When you have a 10 sat donation, then the 1% donation to the podcasting app and the 1% donation to the network turns into a 10% donation to the podcasting app Mm. and a 10% donation to podcast index. And so right now, everybody that's using Podfriend is actually donating 10% to each of those and and 80% or what's left to the actual podcaster. And what's left is usually either 70 or 80%, depending on the fees that you also have in the back end. Mm. And if your intention is to take 10%, then that's fine. It should be set to that. But when you're when your app is saying we take 1%, but then what actually comes out is 10%. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah, and uh, totally and, unintentional. Yeah, it's totally well, unintentional because sure. yeah. his thought was, I don't want to put it at too high a number because I want to encourage people to use it. Totally right. true, totally fair, but it also totally screws up with a percentage base. Right. And the I think the intent of podcasting 2.0, because uh, it's all volunteer. An app doesn't have mm-hmm. to take 1%. An app could take 50%. <laughs> Google could come up with a podcasting app that supports this tomorrow and take 30% right. like they do for YouTube. That's their mm-hmm. usual charge is 30% of whatever the, the super chat button does. So you give five right. bucks, 
then the person's only getting what four bucks out of that more like right. three three fifty because uh, Google took the rest of it. So you right. could take more, but the the goal is to be explicit in what you're doing, so that when there's competition, that's part of the comp- competitive difference. Is that our app does everything the other apps do, but we only take one percent, and these other apps all take two or three <laughs> percent, right. or we take two percent, but look at all these cool new features that we have that nobody else has. Exactly. Yeah, that's the route I'm hoping to be able to go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it all depends, and and people forget that as much as we can bitch about PayPal. PayPal only mm-hmm. takes two and a half percent. You're still getting ninety-seven and a half percent, and that's as a business. If you register as an individual, they don't take anything out. So yeah, yeah. As long as they, as long as they like your politics and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> or that could all just disappear overnight. <laughs> it can totally disappear overnight, and I think that it is absolutely awesome to have a different way to do it through through a mechanism like Lightning, but. Also, Lightning right. could disappear overnight too and take all the money that's sitting in the network with it. So uh, the, there's going to be hurdles along the way in general. Right, and I right. would certainly treat anything that you have in the Lightning network as being more risky than when you have sitting on the Bitcoin network, which in and of oh, itself yeah. is more risky than anything you have sitting in the real world. <laughs> now, Bitcoin's been appreciating like crazy, which is great, but also the U.S. government wants their share of that appreciation. There's right. now a question on the tax forms that asks explicitly if you've invested in any digital currencies. Mm-hmm. But you got to remember, all this stuff is only as good as a combination of the software it's running on and the companies that are maintaining the equipment. And I guess Lightning even more because they're a bit... Obviously, yeah, less decentralized than They're Bitcoin itself. Exactly. Yeah. So, the way I, I recommend is you put five or ten or maybe fifty bucks, whatever you're comfortable, when in into a wallet specifically for this purpose. You're going to give all the money in that wallet away to while you're listening to podcasts anyway. And so, right. if the whole network shuts down, or if you lose your wallet, or something happens, it sucks. But it's not that big a deal because you wouldn't have kept that money anyway. It's not an investment account. Right. It's a giveaway account. Yeah, that's definitely the way I've been thinking about it so far. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm hoping that most people understand that. And I think that so far everybody's been putting real good like tutorials or, you know, messages in front on the podcast that (laughs) this is experimental. Yeah, that's very true. And I I think we're going to have more podcasting apps like yours doing what PodFriend did and just making it super easy for people to just, here's the address you need to fill this wallet up. It's only for a fixed amount. We're not going to even let you select a high amount to fill it with because we don't want that money <laughs> in there. And then if you have money transferred, if you don't click this button, it'll take you to a place that will you can translate your local currency into it. Because most people yeah. aren't aware of this stuff. They, most people do not currently have Bitcoin wallets. Yeah, that's one thing that I've been really w- hoping for is some way that for people that do have Bitcoin wi- wallets and are using Breeze already or using one of these Lightning wallets already. When I first started looking at this, I was really hoping to just find a way. I, I really don't want to integrate a Bitcoin wallet or a Lightning wallet into my app. And there, are, however, there are APIs that have made that a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it, it makes more sense. But I'm, I'm hoping for there eventually to be some sort of solution where... I can just say, hey, the podcast, this user just listened to 10 minutes of this podcast and they want to split it out this way. Send that invoice or something over to a Lightning wallet that's really specialized in this. And really, that's their main yeah. kind of focus is on how light, how to move Lightning around, how that payment 
kind of side of things works and outsource that to them and have it finished there. I don't, that's with the splits and things, that's not really possible right now, but like best case scenario, that's yeah. really the way I'd like to, I'd like to integrate. And the current apps predominantly create a wallet on your behalf and then store some right. value in there that you can donate from. And then if you run out, they'll tell you, you should re-up. And right. the only one that isn't doing that right now is PodStation, where they connect to your wallet. But the problem with them, and again, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. I just had the interview with him as well recently here. Mm-hmm. But it's not connecting to a wallet. It's connecting to a node. And so mm-hmm. you raise the difficulty level of the people that are going to be able to use that app right away because it has to be somebody who has a node running and is familiar with how to set those things up. Or I, I guess right. you can use LNPay, but LNPay is really... It's development interface. Right. It's not something the average person is going to be able to utilize to set up a wallet for themselves. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting how everyone's yeah. taking a different approach to this. I'm super interested to see how but, this kind of all progresses in the next few months here. Certainly from the ease of use standpoint, what people want is I have an app ABC mm-hmm. that is my wallet. And all I want to do yeah. is in that app, just say max out at $10 to my podcasting invoices. And then mm-hmm. set up some kind of API invoice transfer from podcasting apps that'll just basically send an invoice to your wallet for a, a aggregate amount of sats and then take that right. amount and then split it up in the app as it receives it. That way the app doesn't maintain a wallet for you. It doesn't even have to have its own wallet. I guess maybe it does just for a split second of holding the the sats as it does the split can't split second there we go but that's really about it like expecting every single podcasting app to set up a new wallet for you on the lightning network i don't think is realistic yeah yeah it's that's a tough one and then certainly not persistent ones and then like breeze if the app isn't running your wallet is not on right yeah i get that notification every once in a while make sure you haven't connected to the the lightning network in 24 hours or something. So open up the app and make sure it resyncs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Sphinx is doing it continuously. They opened up actually a fairly sizable wallet on your behalf, but it's, it's the interface is clearly geared for techies. If you got anything else, I think you mentioned how people get a hold of your backend there. Your app is available in the iTunes store or the app store, Apple iOS app store. Yeah. So you can go to hypercatcher.com. We've got like a blog there that people can read up on different things around podcasting 2.0 stuff, different podcasts that are available and get a download link for the app. And then studio.hypercatcher.com is the back end. If you have a podcast that you'd like to add chapters to, that's it's, it's getting better. It's not the easiest way. I'd still say Buzzsprout's probably the easiest way to do it, but uh, that studio.hypercatcher.com definitely going to be seeing some exciting things there pretty soon, I think. So if you want to get in there and get your podcast set up for it, definitely recommend that. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to do the interview, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more features coming from you, and more people will be coming up with more suggestions and giving you more work to do as well. Yep, I hope so. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Gene. Really appreciate it. And as always, thanks for joining me. Please do keep in mind that nothing in this podcast represents financial, legal, or medical advice. 